0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Uh, Let us pray. Father, you have caused your scriptures to be written, and as we look at them, we pray that the Spirit which inspired them will help us understand and hear your voice as we read these words, so that we will know you more clearly, follow you more closely and please you more earnestly. For Jesus' sake, amen. Page 753 is the page in the Pew Bible where Jonah chapter 3 can be found. And uh, those of you who've been here the last couple of weeks know that uh, that's the book of the Bible we're looking at in January and we finish next week, but today it's chapter 3, which was read to us a couple of minutes ago. And it's it's always good to have it open and sitting there as it's being talked about. One of life's common sad surprises is when early promise is not followed with success. Uh, in the long run, this uh, is often just uh, a disappointment. It's a pity, it's a waste, uh, might be costly, but just a disappointment. The school-aged sporting star turns out not to have the discipline to reach the top as an adult. Or the student with an excellent HSC result drops out of university a year or two later having lost interest in studying. Or the restaurant that opened with the fanfare and crowds fails to attract enough repeat customers and has to close. But sometimes, however, not going on after early promise is much worse, it's a tragedy. The healthy child picks up an incurable, debilitating disease, or the athletic teen is seriously injured and becomes a paraplegic, or the happy family is shattered by a bitter, acrimonious divorce. In all this, Jesus said to the believer, I am with you always to the end of the age. So God is in our experience of all our disappointments and tragedies. He's there with us as he is also in all our successes and delights. I am with you always. And he is particularly with us in our spiritual life, delighting, obviously, in each step that we take closer to Jesus, but also lamenting each failure to grow into the spiritual maturity that he has planned for us, not achieving the potential that is there. It's not a disappointment then it's a tragedy. Well, how are you faring? Are you growing closer to God or are you drifting further away or are you marking time? would you say? And as far as the sermon is concerned, how is Jonah going as we move through the four books that are in his name? How is he faring? Is he maturing closer to God or is he stuck at some roadblock? So let's check him out. Positively, he is a prophet and he has heard God speak. But negatively, he has run away from God because he was unwilling to obey God and to take a warning message to Israel's enemy, the Assyrians of Nineveh. However, positively, again, when the storm became extremely dangerous, he readily admitted to the sailors that it was his fault and he recommended that they throw him into the sea. He was spiritually healthy enough to tell the truth to his own disadvantage and to accept the dreadful consequences. And then, even more positively, in desperation, in the fish, he prayed to God. So from running away from God, he now turns back to God in repentance and trust as well as desperation placing all his hope in God and none in himself. And the result, of course, he was saved from disaster, he was saved from death, and he was saved from being lost from God. He was wrapped up in God's goodness to him, in God's forgiveness and in God's grace. Or in the words of a later century, was lost but now am found. Amazing grace. And not surprisingly, he was changed way, way down deep inside. So Jonah was growing spiritually in huge leaps and bounds because this time when God spoke to him with exactly the same instruction as it had in chapter one, but now in chapter three, this time he immediately does as he has been bid. Verse two, get up. "'Go to Nineveh. Proclaim to it the message that I tell you.' So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh. Now, this was a land trip of some 800 kilometres to near the modern city of Mosul. Now, that's the distance from here to the Queensland border. That's some walk. All the reasons that he ran away the first time and headed in the other direction when he got this instruction still applied. The trip would still be long. The trip would still be costly. The the trip would still probably and possibly be dangerous. The reception that he might get at the end of it could be a frighteningly terrible execution. On the other hand, it might go the other way. They might mock him and ignore him. So after all that massive effort and cost, he feels that he's the world's most wretched failure. These were the possibilities. None of that had changed. But despite all this, this time he goes. His spiritual maturity is on a bit of a roll, from a disappointing failure to a potential spiritual hero, all because of God's magnificent grace. He could not have agreed more with the words of St Paul that were written centuries later present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. He had almost literally been brought from death to life and he was won over and now he was absolutely resolute to go to Nineveh and deliver the message no matter what. Now this is a huge turnaround. This is a massive spiritual step forward. This is spiritual growth. Is it you? Are you presented to God as one who has been brought from death to life? Verse 3. Now, Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-days walk across. And This sentence raises the question, is the book of Jonah... Precise, literal history, like, say, the David and Goliath story? Or is it a parable, like Jesus' parable, a story of the Good Samaritan? A three days' walk, that's 50 kilometres. That's Martin Place to Penrith. No city in the world was that big until a couple of hundred years ago. And this story is set over two and a half thousand years before. Now, one very popular, respected modern translation of the New Testament slides around this problem by translating a three days' walk across into a visit required three days, meaning to see all the sites. Now, chapter four, which we look at next week towards the end, records the population of Nineveh in Jonah's day at over a hundred and twenty thousand people. Not bad for the time but not requiring anything like three days to walk through it. So this is another tricky problem in addition to Jonah surviving three days in a sea creature. Well, here is one approach to the question. There are very reputable Bible-honouring scholars who firmly believe that Jonah is literal history, And there are very reputable Bible-honouring scholars who are quite convinced that Jonah was written deliberately as a parable. So whichever view you happen to take, relax because you will be in plenty of good company. Furthermore, whether the author thought he was writing history or a parable makes no difference to the messages that he wants every reader to pick up such as God calls every nation to him to be saved. Now, we don't need to solve the history or parable issue because either way, this is God's word to us and the messages for us are very clear. Back to Nineveh and back to Jonah, this spiritually growing Jonah goes to Nineveh in verse 4 and cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, no doubt he said a bit more than that about who was sending this message and why, but this was the heart of it and this was what terrified the locals. In verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. Sackcloth was often worn for mourning or repentance in Jewish and in some other Middle Eastern cultures. Not to be left behind, when the news reached him, the king, who was also totally convinced and frightened, then went even further than the people. Verse 6, he removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes Often uh, wearing sackcloth is just wrapping it around yourself and uh, sort of symbolically. But he did the real thing, had it next to his skin. And then he gave four astonishing orders. One, every person and animal in Nineveh shall not eat and drink. Hopefully he didn't mean that for the 40 days, but uh, the time is not mentioned. Secondly, every person and animal in Nineveh shall wear sackcloth. So the animals as well. Thirdly, everyone shall cry to God. Now, maybe he thought the animals would do it as well since they're now thirsty, starving and itchy. But most astonishingly, number four, everyone shall turn from their evil ways and violence. Now, either because everyone was really afraid of God or because they were really afraid of the king or both there was an extraordinary reformation of behaviour. Verse 10, they turned from their evil ways. Now this is truly remarkable. But our sceptical modern minds often say, could this really happen? Why not? Well, One of the reasons why the question gets asked is because mere warnings of impending doom leading whole communities to reform their normal antisocial behaviour are indeed very rare. However, there are a number of accounts of communities becoming much more Christian and this transformation spiritually leading to great obvious transformations morally. Well, here are three simple examples. Crime statistics in Sydney were noticeably down the year after Billy Graham's first visit in 1959. And that raised quite a few eyebrows a year or so later when the figures were revealed. For centuries on and off until the end of World War II, Korea had been bashed and bullied by Japan. As a result, the natural attitude of Koreans towards Japanese was one of feeling that they were morally superior to these barbarous invaders. Then, in 1907, in Pyongyang, a speaker at a big Bible conference called for an end of hatred to Japanese. Large numbers of people were convicted that they were as much sinners as the Japanese. The only difference was that they had been forgiven by the God of grace. They went back to their homes across Korea and began repenting of all sorts of wrongdoings and calling on everyone they could think of that they had sinned against and asking to be forgiven. It was a full-blown, widespread, thoroughly enthusiastic revival. It is interesting that that year, the Methodist Church of Korea happened to double in size the year 1907. Spiritual reform can have an extraordinary social effect. Another example, a little earlier, back in 1848, every country, every country in Europe experienced a severely repressed rebellion as the poor and the peasants rose up against their rulers to somehow gain an escape from their lives of endless grinding poverty while their masters lived so comfortably. Every European country had a revolution, except Britain. Why was Britain different? The historians who look at this question quite often come up only with one answer over and over again, even an answer that many of them don't want to have. And the answer is simply that for the previous 50 years in Britain, The Methodist Church, after it had broken away from the Church of England, experienced spreading revival, especially among the expanding industrial cities, whose workers felt overlooked by the Anglicans and pushed down by the bosses. The strength of Methodist Christians in particular, among the working class, is the only reason the historians have brought up and offered for why Britain had tension, yes, and reform, yes, but no revolution in 1948, even though every other European country did. Over the centuries there have been many other revivals in many cultures and they always lead to improved morals across the community. Drawing near to God does lead to a change in how we treat one another. So, even though this reform in Nineveh at the warning of Jonah is not perhaps a deep spiritual experience, it certainly was a big change in social behaviour. There is nothing remotely impossible about such a moral reform. In verse 10, when God saw how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So the king had got his desperate wish that he'd had back in verse 9, that God may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. Well, as far as we know, the Ninevites did not seem to have been spiritually converted, just morally reformed. But that's a great first step because God is very concerned about how in our societies we treat each other. Moral uprightness won't earn anyone a ticket into heaven, but it is still very important to God. So God changed his mind. The Old Testament speaks this way about God fairly often, but it's a strange-sounding sentence to our ears. God changed his mind. Quite clearly, God sent Jonah to Nineveh to warn the locals so they would have a chance to change their ways. Hence the 40 days of grace. No point warning them if there was no chance of change and escape. The meaning in Jonah's message was quite clearly, unless you change, you will be destroyed, but if you change, you will survive. One great aspect of this part of God's nature is that it's not the end, no matter how dreadfully we may have behaved. I mean, and the Ninevites or the Assyrians had been amongst the most dreadful and cruel of all invading armies across the centuries. We may have behaved so dreadfully that we can never make up for it. Despite this, God's forgiveness is total, His punishment is diverted. And what was true for the people of Nineveh at that earthly level is true for us at the eternal level. When we turn to Christ, every sin, no matter how vicious or vile, is immediately forgiven. Life starts afresh. We have been born again. The people of Nineveh were given a second chance and they took it. Jonah had been given a second chance and he took it. You have been given a second chance. Have you taken it? Every person you know of is being offered a second chance by God, whether they know it or not. And you may in fact be their Jonah to take the message to them because we want every person to know that Jesus is offering them a second chance. So are you keeping up with Jonah? Are you maturing in your spiritual walk have you grabbed your second chance and are you going on with it living like those who have been brought from death to life thanks for listening please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes browse more resources and find more information about the community of saint mark's